Smartcast. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Sure. Um, sometimes I joke and say, you know, alone, if you look at the word alone, A-L-O-N-E, if you don't want to take an L or a loss, put the L back in and you get all one, right? We're all one, uh-huh. ultimately and essentially. <laughs> and I think that's an important thing to remember. And it's something you discover when you prioritize your own happiness and peace and joy. And you practice some of the exercises that you spoke of, whether it's prayer or meditation or affirmations. Welcome to the Liberated Healer podcast, where we touch on a variety of topics in the world of spirituality, energetic healing, and everything in between and beyond. Take an adventure on a shooting star with your hosts, Gina and Linnea, offering their wisdom, guidance, and everlasting love and support. Hi, everybody. My name is Gina Cavalier, and I'm the Liberated Healer, and this is the Liberated Healer Podcast. And today we have Robert Mack, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Robert. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, um, you're a coach, speaker, and author, and you have a new book out, and that's why we're here, Um, Love from the Inside Out. Um, it's by Mango Publishing, who's a really good partner of mine. They always send me the best of the best and amazing people. And so I'm really appreciative for the work that they do. Keeping um, things in print and on paper sometimes is, is hard to do. So we appreciate them. Um, and also, this is about learning how to love your own life and each other. So um, we're going to get right into it. But can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what led you to this book and a little bit about your journey? Yeah, for sure. So I work as um, an Ivy League educated positive psychology expert, um, celebrity happiness coach and uh, TV personality and producer. Um, But honestly, um, I just think of myself as a guy that used to be extraordinarily unhappy. I was deeply depressed. Um, I went through a period of time when I was so depressed that I became um, suicidal and I had a suicidal experience early in my life. Um, So it's kind of ironic, I think, and um, even a little humorous that I would be in a position to talk to other people about you know, happiness and self-love and love because I struggle with all those things for so long. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's who I am. Well, um, we have, that's a similar path to us too. And um, that, you know, people know that about me. Um, one of the reasons why I started this whole channel, the first thing was to combat uh, suicidal tendencies and to give them other ways that, that understanding that we've, a lot of us have been in the same situation and that this is just a, you know, whatever we can do to be supportive of that. So, um, and that's a big topic and, um, but it's real, but it also is a part of that journey. Like when you decide to fight for yourself, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, quite frankly, it's the most important part of my journey 
um, I wanted to discover my life purpose for so long. And it's interesting because it was always hidden right underneath my nose in this struggle and the pain that I was experiencing um, that was unhappiness and was depression and was suicidal ideation. But I couldn't see it at the time. You know, sometimes you're so buried in the problem that you can't see the purpose in the problem. So that was my um, experience for a long, long time. And only when I look back now, do I realize how all perfectly woven together was it really? Yeah. And also, you know, because it's so sometimes I'm sorry, I'm getting mixed with words because it's just so deep and, you know, suffering is, we have to get through some suffering so we can under to put out something like this, because if you didn't know the suffering, you wouldn't understand what your clients or people are going through in a deep way. Oh, Gina, isn't that the truth? It's the truth. And, you know, it's um, no mud, no lotus, right? And um, without a suffering and the understanding of suffering, it's hard to truly appreciate other people who are suffering, other people who are mean um, or unkind, because often those people are suffering the most. Um, and it's, of course, hard to really truly appreciate uh, the joy and the peace and the love that are on the other side of all of that. So you're absolutely right about that. Um, you know, I sometimes think of it like a nightmare, you know, you fall asleep, you become unconscious and in your consciousness, you have these nightmares. And sometimes the nightmares have to get actually worse in order for you to wake up from this unconscious state. But once you wake up, you realize that everything was always okay. And you were sort of tucked sort of really sweetly and soundly into your own bed. You were safe all along. And that's sort of what this um, sort of, I guess, human experience of being a spiritual being is really all about. Well, what I love about your book, and I get lots of books, is I'm not the biggest reader. A, because I'm busy, and B, because, you know, I, I just, sometimes it's, I'm a slow reader. And, um, but what I liked about your book is it wasn't, you could go to that specific area that you're feeling that day. And like, I'm feeling unworthy, or I'm feeling unloved, or I need just, and you can just read that insert and it's really well written and it's just, it hits right to the point. There's no fluff. It's like you are worthy or you, you get to, but then you can flow into it and I can just read that one part I needed today. So what was that concept and how did you, I mean, that's, that's very unique that I haven't seen I, it before. I so appreciate you saying that I'm going to send you a check for that Gina. So thank you so much. <laughs> and um, you know, the other thing too, I'm, listen to lots of the episodes and I love the podcast so much. And I have to say, um, you are so um, well educated in all of these spaces. So I would have never known that you weren't a big reader um, because you certainly are very deeply knowledgeable and wise. Um, you know, for me, you know, honestly, when I became a happiness coach like 20 years ago, I assumed that most people would call me because they were unhappy, you know, and they were clear that they were unhappy, but it wasn't the case. Actually, most people called me because they had relationship problems or they lacked a relationship. So I quickly sort of become known as like a really a relationship or dating and love coach. And I sort of resisted that for so long because um, I didn't consider myself an expert on dating or love relationships. Uh, but as time went on, I came to discover um, that, you know, love and happiness in lots of ways are synonymous. Um, and so, you know, when I wrote that first book, Happiness from the Inside Out, I wrote it in sort of a, you know, I just sat down and I wrote it straight through with love from the inside out. It was there were insights and sort of revelations that came to me through years and years of meditation and through practice with, you know, my private practice with clients and in my own life experiences that I just would track. And I just began to sort of, you know, keep them in a file somewhere. 
And over time, I discovered that I was it was really all coming together to be a book. And I love that experience and practice so much because so much of what I would receive downloads around didn't feel as much like human knowledge. It felt more like divine wisdom that wasn't really my voice sort of speaking. And so I just thought that was so interesting. And so they were more inspired sort of uh, thoughts, thoughts that were in spirit or came from spirit. So yeah, the book is written sort of as you know, hundreds really of these little meditations or insights or revelations or downloads um, that I received uh, over many, many years that I just wanted to track first and foremost for myself. And then I discovered I wanted to share them with other people too. Yeah. Love is such a big, small little word. Um, because, um, but I feel like it goes back to, you know, the, our creation of, you know, who, being human and, you know, building a tribe. And over the years we've gotten more isolated and, you know, in our little cement boxes. And I really feel like a lot of the loss of our self-love is because we're, we're more separate than we ever were. And so these having these practices to say it's okay for yourself, you know, and for some reason, once one thing gets into you that uh, maybe triggers you at, to make you feel somewhat like unworthy or something, all of a sudden it, it is like a button has just been turned on. And now you're going down some road that day about some trauma that happened at you. And it just, it made you feel that way. And so you, we need to provide people that do the work we do just put out as much out there as we can and then let someone, they'll find it. You know what I mean? They will, you do, but we got to keep that up. And it, you know, of course that's hard sometimes, right? Yeah, for sure. And I love you saying this. Um, you're right. I think there's a time in all of our lives where we begin to make the transition from like a go out and get them kind of, you know, chase it mentality to sort of like, let me sit in peace and love and joy and let the world come to me a little bit more. And we find that lots of the, sort of the field of positive psychology really has lots of empirical time-tested face valid data to support that we know that if you can find a way to deeply truly love yourself and become happy that you experience the best that life has to offer and you do so easily effortlessly and enjoyably right so happy people those people that are really deeply truly self-loving they live longer six to seven years longer they make more money six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars on average over the course of their entire lifetime than unhappy people they get married earlier stay married longer and are happier in all the relationships, whether they're married or not. It's about love and happiness, not just being in a relationship. Um, you know, they're rated as more attractive and uh, they also are more generous and kind. They donate more time, money and energy and blood to social causes and um, to individuals, right? So in all ways, um, when you find that infinite source and tap into it of peace, love, and happiness, you tend to find that your life improves in all of these magical, miraculous ways without the effort and the stress and the anxiety that you're accustomed to. Yeah, and what I'm finding is is the periods between the hard times are shorter. So, for example, you're in a horrible job and you're just every day you go to your desk and you cry and you sit and then you're there a year and and it just is this and your body is suffering, your relationships are suffering. And then you start to find these things like your book or journaling or whatever else we have else out there and think whatever works for you. And then you just, you find that you, with these, all these tools that are out there now, it's like, wow, I, you know, I started a job and it's not working. And then the second week I say, I'm sorry, this just wasn't a fit for me instead of waiting out that whole year. And that's why I like to say that to people because when they're feeling very down and suffering, 
it time it just in our physical body feels so long you know That's it's right. like sometimes when you're like that that day is just like it feels like a year you know but yes. use these tools go find these inspirational words let them soak you all in all around you and and try to get out of that feeling of desperation and loneliness and you know we're you know we're never alone really i mean absolutely we, we've got energies and guides all around us, even if you believe in that or don't believe it out there, but there is always somebody who's thinking about you and loving you. And we're all in a journey, you know, we're all like learning these big giant lessons together. Right. Yes, for sure. Um, sometimes I joke and say, you know, alone, if you look at the word alone, A L O N E, if you don't want to take an L or a loss, put the L back in and you get all one, right. We're all one ultimately uh -huh. and essentially. And I think that's an important thing to remember. And it's something you discover when you prioritize your own happiness and peace and joy. And you practice some of the exercises that you spoke of, whether it's prayer or meditation or affirmations, it could be journaling, it could be, you know, counting your blessings, whatever it is that you find or feel resonance around. The more you practice those exercises, the more you find that peace and love and joy that is not only inherently and innately within you, but that is you. And then to your point, you find that the dark days aren't nearly as dark for as long and they're not as dark for intensely or as deeply. And you're able to pivot so much more quickly. Your response time sort of, you know, begins to improve over and over again. It doesn't all happen at once, you know, and sometimes it can feel like you're taking two steps forward and 15 steps back. But every time that you attempt or make the attempt to recover a little bit more quickly and you return to whatever practice it is that you have, it doesn't have to be a spiritual practice. You might call it a personal growth practice um, or self-love practice, but whatever that practice is that allows you to feel more relief or relaxation or peace, you find that your life does continue to improve in really beautiful ways. And it does so without so much pain and so much struggle. And I also feel like you start to recognize that maybe somebody you didn't like, or that was rubbing you the wrong way, that they're also just trying to do the best they can in that you know, you can relate to the suffering. You don't have to be in that world, you, you know, as a, as a job or in a profession, but you can recognize and say, oh, wow, I didn't like that person, but I can feel they're, they're actually probably doing the best that they can with what they have today. And to, to energetically let that, let that, that tension go, if you can, you know, yeah, you're still be in your boundaries and your peace if they're not right, if they're, not being, you know, acceptable behavior to you, but that's different. But, you know, sometimes just letting, you know, peacefully letting go of a bad situation or, you know, letting say, God, you know what? I think they're really doing the best that they can with today. Absolutely. And you know, everyone, everyone suffers, right? Everyone suffers at some point in time and um, suffering as Buddha said, takes two forms. It's both sort of not getting what you want, right? But then it's also getting what you want and then realizing that you're going to fear losing it one day. And so everyone suffers. And um, the challenge and the opportunity to your point is that when you have a practice of some kind, you begin to tap into what we might call infinite intelligence or source or God or whatever word resonates with you. Sometimes I just call it happiness. But you tap into this sort of deeper, truer knowing that's sort of omniscient. And so you begin to have these revelations and these insights um, you know, around your own suffering, other people's suffering, and then you have a lot more compassion for them while you can still 
hold or set very healthy boundaries with them, right? And so you can say, look, uh, my priority is to love myself and love this person. Sometimes I can do that best up close and personal. Sometimes I can do that better from a distance. And so you're right. You're able to have an understanding um, and an appreciation for other people's suffering, for your own suffering. And you're also able to both honor yourself and the other um, with love and in ways that are, that you know, that's healthy for both of you. So yeah, I love that so much, Gina. There's so much wisdom that we shared there. Yeah, because I feel like we're more and more separating. The more that we separate, the more that that tension is there. And especially with, you know, shootings and all these different things, I always try to remind people that that person stopped loving themselves first before they hurt another person. So as a tribe, and I know it's not a popular way to even say it because people don't even like to focus on it, but as a tribe, if we can try to recognize that, that that person actually does not love themselves right now. That, yeah, that's right. I mean, um, generally as a rule, self, um, one way to think about it is love is your self-love shared, okay? So when um, you find yourself, and just notice in your own lives, um, I notice that in my own life, I'm um, the most loving when I'm self-loving, right? I'm the most loving to other people. And I'm the most loving when I'm happy within myself. And when I'm having a tough day or something's going wrong and I feel a lack within myself where I feel unhappy, I find that it's harder to be loving to other people, right? And so um, love is our self-love shared or love is our happiness shared. And you're absolutely right about that. What you often see in the world, if you see a lack of love, um, it's often people that are trying to extract or get love from other people. It's like two you know, essentially broke people financially entering into a relationship with each other and then trying to make each other better off financially. It's kind of hard. They're both asking each other for something that each of them does not have. And so they end up often making each other worse off. And so we do that in relationships too. You know, the thing I think that's important to remember is that we are all these reservoirs or wellsprings or pools or oceans of infinite love, infinite self-love, infinite peace and happiness. And you know, it sounds like just a cliche or a platitude, but cliches and platitudes become cliches and platitudes for a reason. There's always some truth in there. And so if you can sort of just spend more time uh, trusting that and finding ways to tap into that, you'll find that when you love yourself, you automatically and easily and effortlessly and enjoyably love other people. And you do so with an, without an expectation of reciprocity or reward, without any strings attached, without any quid pro quo. You know, you do it like a rain cloud does. You fill yourself up with so much self-love that you can't help but eventually shower everybody and the entire earth with that self-love, with that rain, because you and you do it just to unburden yourself, just to relieve yourself, not because you want to be a good person, you're doing the right thing, you want to be moral, ethical. It's just simply to unburden yourself of all this self-love and peace and happiness that you've sort of collected um, throughout the day or throughout your practice. Um, yeah, because it makes life a lot, actually makes life a lot easier because if a relationship is not working and you love yourself, you know, you don't go into this blame mode of what's wrong with me. And um, and also makes you want to eat better or put better things in your body or live in communities that are a little healthier or, yeah. So it's I think it just, that's the inside out part that you're always talking about. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. And Again, I sometimes use love and happiness as synonyms, right? When you're happy all by yourself, you just call it happiness. When you're happy and you happen to be with somebody else, you call it love or we call it love. And so it's interesting because I think that happiness in our, or this case, love is the highest wisdom because it's what all wisdom attempts to achieve, right? All wisdom ultimately wants to come to a place 
where it's at rest and it's at peace and it's enjoying itself, right? I mean, that's really what wisdom is all ultimately about is how can I live the best of my life or how can I enjoy the most of my life? And so what's interesting about that is that it's not only the highest wisdom, but it also leads to wisdom or insights or revelations. So to your point, when, you've, when you're really sort of tapped into and turned on, you're feeling at peace and you're feeling self-loving and you're feeling happy, you realize you don't need as much of the junk food or the whatever addictive substance or activity you're used to participate. You don't need as much of that or any of that to feel good because you're already feeling good. And so all of a sudden you start making these healthier decisions just because you found that you were never really truly empty on the inside. It was just an illusion. It just looked that way from the outside. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, happiness and love and peace, yeah. both the highest wisdom that leads to wisdom. Well, I've been experiencing, I've had a little bit of an experience lately of where I'm having to redefine my self-love and um, I'm actually going to go back to Al-Anon. You know, I went when I was younger and, um, you know, I change locations and whenever you move locations, it has a different energy. And so it brings out different things in you. So I moved from LA to Montana. And so, you know, I wanted to go back to nature, but the nature just woke up different things in me that were sleeping, you know? So going through this transition, I started to, um, realize that, based on my childhood expression that um, I was always pleasing other people. So I never put myself first, never, never, never put myself first. And, and I still constant. And now I'm really just trying to actively, you know, sometimes act, if I'm depressed or feeling funky, I will say, who can I reach out to that? I can help instead of helping myself first. Because that's like a gratitude. It's almost like for some people like that they they have a food addiction. Oh, I'll have that cookie. Me going out and being like, oh, what problem do you have today? You know what I mean? Yes. Help you. Oh, let me give you a healing. And I, I genuinely mean to give them a healing and I do it. But And I do feel good momentarily. I'm not saying I do, it doesn't feel good to do that. But sometimes I just needed to just love myself. Yeah, it becomes, and this is where, you know, it can become, um, it can become confusing sometimes for folks. Yeah. I know that early in my journey too, I um, tried to feel better by helping other people. And sometimes it worked and sometimes less so. And, you know, most actually the best therapeutic techniques for, let's say, solving for, let's say, low mood or dysphoria really um, come down to getting outside of your own sort of story and your own sort of self-interest and doing something, you know, for somebody else, something kind for someone else. And it's really helpful. Um, absolutely. And that being said, what I discovered too, is that a lot of times I would say, I'm going to do this nice thing for this other person. But I realized um, that I wasn't being loving from a place of um, true sort of sincerity and sort of altruism. I was trying to extract love from that person too. So if I did something nice or I gave them money or I spent time and they didn't say thank you, or they didn't seem gra you know, grateful, then I suddenly was like, why am I doing that? I shouldn't do that anymore. And I would feel worse for it. And so the key is that if you are going to do that, you want to try and do it without the expectation of reciprocity. Let the giving be its own gift. Let the giving be its own reward. And if they say thank you, icing on the cake, um, but don't make it the cake. Oh, I love that. That's true. Expectations is such a... <sighs> the size says it all. The size Sorry, all. but I think expectation leads to disappointment. Those are the two energies that like, if we could really hone in on 
you know, I expected that to be more like this. And then I got disappointed. And then there, all of a sudden, that's all the story needed. And you're, you're down a whole rabbit hole, right? <laughs> you nailed it. I mean, I have an expression that I use with friends and family and mostly to remind myself, which is uh, no expectations, only appreciation. You know, every moment is an unearned gift. Every single moment, this very moment is an unearned gift. And whatever that moment contains is an unearned gift. And if you can sort of see it that way and practice that kind of presence um, and gratitude, and you might, you'll find that, first of all, you drop the comparison, which is what expectation often results in, right? Or competition. And because you're deeply present and focused on what you love about this moment or what you can enjoy in this moment, you suddenly discover that, you know, bigger, more blissful moments are, sort of show up on your doorstep, so to speak. And so it's just a really powerful place um, to pivot from. And it's the only place to pivot from, which is the present moment and looking for the best in the present moment, focusing on your favorite aspects of the present moment. Um, but you're right. Expectations can be a slippery slope. Um, sometimes I think when people talk about it, they talk about it in a really pure way, which is like, you know, I want this thing to happen in the future and I feel really great about it and I don't have any desperation or neediness around it. If it doesn't happen, I'm happy anyway. Great. You know, but most of us have more of a conflicted um, anxiety provoking or conflict ridden experience with uh, expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always say move forward with the thing that most excites you every day um, without expectation of the result of that. I love it. Absolutely. It's not attachment to results. Right. And, and, the, and the point is anyway, no matter what it is we want to achieve or accomplish or acquire, we're really ultimately after a feeling and that feeling I call happiness. You can call it satisfaction or fulfillment. You can call it love or peace, but you're just after a feeling. If you can re sort of remember that and realize that, then you can sort of stop routing that feeling through other people, places, or things, go directly to the source for it. And then everything after that is a consolation prize because you have the real treasure already, which is the feeling, right? So it's, yeah. yeah. And I like how you said, well, some people have source and then there's some people that are atheists. And I love that you gave them an option, which is, well, then just go into that energy of happiness because sometimes it's too big of a concept to think of, you know, and everybody has their own thing that they're connecting to. And I love that because I haven't heard that before. And I'd, I'd like to try, try to be blanketed to everybody and give them an option, but yeah, instead of, yeah, now you have this big ball of happiness, right? You get, that's easy to understand, like going into that energy. So I appreciate you just, that. Oh, Gina, I, I so appreciate you saying that. I grew up, you know, Christian and I'm grateful for that, but I had a real knee jerk reaction and it didn't sit well for me with me for a very, very, very long time. And I consider myself a lover of all people and all spiritual religious traditions because they have something to provide and give uh, to all of us, no question. And if you go deep enough into any or all of them, you find that they, at the core, it's very much the same thing. I can't see Jesus and Buddha and Lao Tzu and Muhammad ever arguing kind of thing, right? So yeah. um, not with each other So um, or anyone else. And so to that end, um, yes, I agree with you. I think one of the greatest experiences and insights in my life was just replacing the word God or source with life, with life itself. That obviously and we can't really argue that you're a life there's life within you and you are life and i am life and there's life within me and no matter how you look or how tall or short you are or what color or race or gender you are there's life within you and that same life also whatever intelligence that is hangs the earth on nothing revolves it around its axis or rotates on its axis revolves around the super hot star that we call a sun just far enough and just close enough um close enough to not burn us up or freeze us 
whatever <laughs> that is, whatever that infinite intelligence is, that's also within you and me. I sometimes call happiness. Other people call God. Some people call Muhammad or Christ. But for me, it's that thoughtless, faceless, wordless, infinite, eternal, peaceful aliveness or happiness that at, at the very core of all of us. And in a way, we're all trying to get back to that essence when we were four and five years old, where the world was just like, we just looked at everything and just, it was all love. Like there's no, all the things that, I didn't want to say the words to bring energy to it, but there's none of that, you know, it's just, you know, I feel like getting back to that super joyful with eyes wide open energy is just really going to help the world and bring us together a little bit more. Oh, Gina, it's so good. And isn't that what we're all trying to do in our own separate, different individual ways? You know, the person I love who loves kids. Yes. Right. I mean, look at kids. I mean, kids are closer to, uh, to the source um, in lots of ways. I mean, we're all one with source, um, but they recognize that in some way, great, sort of more than most adults. And whether you are love amusement parks, whether you love drugs, if you're into sex, if you're wanting to play sports and get into the flow state, if you're praying, if you're meditating, if you're in extreme sports, whatever it is that you're doing, trying to be successful, trying to be famous, trying to be rich, we're all ultimately after the same exact experience, which is a return to that sort of innocent, peaceful, a lot peacefully alive, happy, joyful, loving state um, that we were born into, that we essentially always exist um, and are one with, but that we sometimes um, feel as clouded or veiled by too much thinking. It's just generally too much thinking and too much identifying with the body and mind. You know, so the more that you sort of um, learn that you are more, that you have a body, but you're not a body, you have a mind, but you're not a mind, you're some non physical energy we might call life. <laughs> or some intelligence that we might call source, that as soon as you have that experience or practice that more and more, sort of seeing through the illusion of the mind and body and realizing, recognizing that you're a spiritual or non-physical being, um, the more deeply you enjoy the peace and the love and the happiness that is, um, you know, your true birthright. So I want to ask you, do you want to read one of your inserts or give us a some inspiration today or do you want me to pick one because i have one you can pick one yeah sure okay. so i'd love to just you know this is a really fabulous amazing book i i just love the inspirational and they're very unique they're nothing i've heard before and so today i picked one called from live and let live free love life is not going to follow you you must follow life Life is not going to listen to you. You must listen to life. Everything and everybody in life is not going to go your way. So it's up to you to go your way. If life isn't going your way, isn't it even more important for you to go your way? If you can't control life, isn't it even more critical to control the one thing that you can control? The one thing that is in your hands, yourself. You can't focus life to flow according to you. Life doesn't want it what? what life does what it wants, whether you want it or not. Love life anyway. Likewise, people do what they want despite what you want them to do. Love them anyway. 
Try it for 24 hours, please. Flow with everything. Feel grateful for whatever life gives you. Maintain grateful, grateful attitude all day. Keep an appreciative attitude all night. You'll be surprised with a non-attached, non-judgmental attitude. You'll find love everywhere. You'll find the extraordinary hiding in the most ordinary places. You'll find love hiding in the most unlikely places and the most unlovable people, which was kind of what we were talking about earlier. Yes. Yes, exactly. Thank you for sharing that. I so appreciate that. Thank you, Robert. So thanks to Mango Publishing again. Thanks to Robert Mack. And look out for his book and see you later. Bye from the Liberated Healer. Thanks, Gina. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at Liberated Healer Podcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support.
If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us online at theliberatedhealer.com, on Instagram at Liberated Healer Podcast, or on Facebook at The Liberated Healer. Give us a follow, subscribe, send us a message if you so feel, and thank you for your support.